and then and he's got migraine headaches so he turned he had like not much light in there so when it started to get dark it was like okay and i'm also like can we have some like, air i need some more water <laughs> i need this and but then recording i just felt there was not a lot of passion there i go i don't right. know and uh he's like did it come out good i go well yeah it was okay but there was something missing either because it wasn't like this right or because it was like triple frontier which was a newer movie instead of an older movie that you and you've i talked about and princess and bride or whatever yeah, yeah. It's the same yeah. thing with... Did you like that, Triple Frontier? Um, yeah, it was good. Yeah. I liked it a lot. We watched it when we were up in uh, Strawberry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Hello, everybody. Hello. It's Alma, and this is Tipsy Tales, and uh, I'm once again being joined by Philip Duke from My Celluloid Heart, who has once again um, come to... Graced you with my <laughs> presence. We have to stop meeting like this. Well, it's... The thing with podcasting is somebody was talking on another podcast about how it's not a competition, really. You want right. your numbers, and everybody wants their numbers. Right. But it's almost like, hey, I'll help you out because I know the struggle. And, you know, as a vet would say, the struggle's real. Um, so real. What else did she say? That other thing. Fine, fine, fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, She's got me saying that all the time, too. I say it at work, and they're like... Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, it's a thing of helping out, and it's like where I'm like, "Hey, you missed a Tuesday," and you're like, "I'm busy," and I'm like, "I'll I'll help you on you know we record something for thirty minutes, right. you know whatever, put something up." And so I know that it kills you to not put up an episode. Yeah. And by the way, everybody, I'm sorry if you guys were expecting an episode last Tuesday. It things just ran away from me, and I couldn't even get to it at all. So here it is, um, our Tipsy Tuesday. Yep. And we're uh, having wine, whatever we're having. Serious. Yeah. Color. We're having 19 crimes. Yeah. So, and I bought this one. Actually, you know what? No, this was a gift from somebody. I lied. Um, 19 crimes. The Banished. It's a dark red, 2017. It's really good. It's kind of yeah. fruity. It's uh, yeah, I like it. I don't know wine, but uh, yeah, I'm just like, oh, it tastes like wine. You know what? It even it tastes so good to me that I'll drink it with a fly in it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she goes. We're drink. We're sitting here before the show, and she goes, "There's a fly in my. There's got a fly in there. God damn it!" And then. I go, oh, you got to get it out. And then we forget. And I'm Because we her started story. talking and I was like, okay, I'm going to let him finish and then I'll go dump this out really quick. And, <laughs> and then and we then moved I, on to something else. <laughs> and I look over and I'm thinking, oh, she drank some of that. And I said, did you take that fly out of there? Because I didn't see it. And she goes, ah, I drank a fly. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> just ran and uh, rinsed my cup and rinsed my mouth. And <laughs> I just, here we are. Anyways. Um, and um, after you hear this podcast, then if you want to go to my podcast, listen to me talk about Military Heist and Triple Frontier and Three Kings, it's at My Celluloid Heart Podcast. Um, so anyway, you want me to start? Are we still talking? What are we doing? What's going on? What are we doing? How are you, Ben? You might want to scoot over just a little bit so you don't miss the microphone because it's not, it's not. Okay. Yeah, Is there you it? go. Yeah, yeah, right You'll here. You'll be fine. Like I tell people, fine, get up fine, on fine. it like it's your boyfriend's dick, and all the guys are like, <laughs> oh all right. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
between you and Yvette, uh, I'm like editing like crazy. Well, yeah, it's. I remember hearing the one that I was on, and I, you and me and Yvette, and I was like, didn't I talk longer? Didn't I tell a story? I go, oh yeah, she probably took that out. Yeah, and it it was kind of seamless, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. <laughs> That's what's fun is. I'll take out the ums and stuff so I sound better. Right. And then uh, I'll and I'll hope that it works. And sometimes it does. Sometimes you're like, oh, I got to leave that little, oh, uh, what was I saying? Uh, but anyway. But yeah, you've been good. I've been good. Yeah. Are you ready to start? Super, super busy. Um, we just spent the whole weekend uh, moving. Oh, yeah. My husband's shop because we were moving locations. And this is my last week at uh, my full-time job. Oh, I thought Friday, this next, this week. This coming Friday, yeah, is my last day. So, and then I'll be going, quote unquote, full time. With with, your husband. Yeah, with uh, touch All women were, well, you women are like, no, my husband works for me. Like, I don't work for him. No, no, no. And that's not going to cause a rift of anything. I know you guys, so I don't think it will. No, we've been working together already, so. yeah. But I've been like, it's super crazy busy on the weekends with this stuff. So, and then the podcast. So whenever something has to be moved out of the way, it seems to be the podcast stuff. So anyways, yeah, looking forward to my last day, even though I'll miss some of the people that I work with. I actually work with a bunch of really good people. So Yeah. yeah. How's your week been? My week's been, what has it been? I worked and then, uh podcast um i've been i've been doing because i see your problems are real to quote a vet again so i go i'm gonna plan them ahead because what happens with my podcast is i'll go i'll go oh shit what do i do and so there was a time when i'm like i have no idea i have nobody available so my dad and i were going to see stan and ollie about laurel and hardy at the movie theater and i go well shit i'll just talk about that movie and then i'll talk about charlie chaplin buster keaton and laurel and hardy so that was one where i was like okay and so at the last minute i'm promoting oh here's what the show's gonna be and then i do it kind of off the cuff and so i'm like i would really like to have them more planned out so for these past two months i was like okay we're gonna do the allied forces of world war ii we're doing military heist then I'm going to do, uh, excuse me, then we're going to do Killing Bonnie and Clyde. And then and either you and I or whatever. Then my cousin and I are going to do one with Zora the Gay Blade and uh, Legend of the Lone Ranger. And then I have another podcast guy. So I'm starting to be like, okay, at You're least. You're filling up the time now. At least so I can have it either ready to like, if you have a week where you're like, oh, like last week I didn't have to do anything. Right. Because we recorded the Monday before so it works out or what happened when I had my old podcast was me and Yvette's husband would record and then I had all these other recordings from before from like 2010 so I could copy those and then put them up as oh I can't do a show but here's a rerun of a show from 2012 you know so that was always nice yeah Mario and I were supposed to record on Sunday so thank you for popping in today no problem well and then that's what else for you the last time i did your show i said what am i gonna do so i'm looking up murderpedia or wherever you guys say you go looking up these killers and i go those are boring i don't like this guy that guy i'm just trying to pick and choose and find not main known people 
then I'm on Hulu and I find this one that I found and I was like, oh, I got to write that down. So I wrote the name. Then I found another one and I wrote that name and I'm like, okay, at least so I have that where I can do the research. You can go back and look at them. And then when you say, let's do a show, I go, okay, I got to murder, you know. Right. So. And And I knew you were prepared, so. Yes. And that, well, then that's where, (laughs) well, because I said, look, I'm, I'm ready if you need me because I know that. It's easy to go, eh, I just won't do it. Right. And then all of a sudden, I don't want you to go, I'm putting this all away. You want to buy the mics? Who wants to buy the shit? And it's like, no, 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 Trust don't me. stop. Yeah, it's the important thing of just, uh, it's fun to do podcasts and you just bullshit right. with people. And, and I don't want to shame, change the format up. And the format that I have yeah. doesn't really lend itself to monologue. Right. So yeah, yeah. It's like trying to find people to fill in that space until, and I know Yvette mentioned that she'll, you know, she's willing to record. Yeah. And Mario's like, I'll do it, I'll do it. But then when it came down to it, they, he got really busy over there at the new house. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah. So he was like, "Sorry, mom. You know, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do it yesterday." And I was like, "Okay, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, I have a backup plan." Yeah. So yeah. that's when I message you. So. Well, and that's. Uh, like you said, you tried to record by yourself. Right. And I've done that before. And that's what I like about it, where if I want, if I don't have anybody, worst case scenario, I do that Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton episode by myself. And I just read and kind of, oh, you should check out this and this and this. And, you know, but I'm also an only child who's used to talking to myself. Right. So when you're not, and I could hear, I could imagine when you're reading a crime story, you could comment on it but nobody's there to go yeah that is fucked up right right exactly (laughs) nobody to like give you that sounding board yeah yeah i was thinking like when i do the um the missing persons Mm -hmm. or yeah the unsolved or unsolved crimes i can do those as a monologue yeah that that won't be or like you said creepy pastas or something like that you could do yeah i was thinking of doing those for patreon Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. Everybody jump in. I'll Um, get something up there, I promise. Yeah, I can't wait till when we get a house. Every time we look, my wife's like, okay, that room will be your podcast studio. And I'm like, okay, so right now I have half the room is full of like junk that we're, you know, it's like storage. And then the other side is my desk with my microphones and everything. And then some movie posters. But I'm like, I want to do the whole thing and then also i'm like i want to buy a new poster and she's like wait till we get a house and then you can but uh anyway that's my thing like i've always wanted like an office like a you know so a room to do your do your podcast completely well and then yeah i have a little cinema light i have all this kind of stuff anyway it's very cool you have ideas 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 yes all right what do you got for me okay this woman's name is sada abe and uh, I got this from uh, Please Kill Me. It's a website uh, that I didn't know existed till I typed her name into Google and this page came up. Right. So I'm going to try to go through it, but also it's very detailed, so I like it. It's not too long. Okay. Uh, although I went to print up, I go, five pages. but it, and, it's, and I didn't need <laughs> my glasses because it's written big enough where I can read it. <laughs> so before the Lorena Bobbitt and Eileen Warnos and Jody Arias... There was Sada Abe, the former geisha, prostitute, and sugar baby, before sugar baby, that brutally killed her lover while having sex with him and kept something of his as oh, a wow. souvenir. 
What? Carried it in her kimono. What? Yeah. It's, well, and balls and everything. Like, balls and a dick. She, like, you would just take the dick, I would think. But Right. No, she took everything. And then my thing is, <laughs> this is why you can't do a monologue by yourself. Because right. this is what I would ask myself. <laughs> you take the balls, then do you tie off the sack? Like, aren't the nuts going to fall out? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like you're putting way too much. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> if you carry the whole thing, it's gonna oh <laughs> just take the dick, is what I'm saying. And she she had you, a pocket. She put them in. Yeah, her like her, her kimono. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I would just take the dick. Okay. okay. So if anybody's missing a dick, I got it. So is that the whole story? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> the end. <laughs> she was caught. Um. So, born to an upper middle class family in Tokyo on May 28, 1905, this happened in 1936, Sada Abe had an idyllic and pampered childhood. So, she's from like a richer family. But since she was a preteen, she was studying and dancing and foregoing school, though, completely just to focus on her abilities as an entertainer and wearing makeup, which was probably unheard of in the. That was 1905. So, when she was a preteen, is in the 20s. And uh, in Japanese society at the time, all these activities were seen as befitting only to lower class, loose women, or prostitutes. So I see you're wearing makeup, makeup, you little lower woman, loose woman. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> my Jezebel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You harlot. You're, you're poison, I tell you. Um, however, <clears throat> the charm life she led would not last long. She spent more and more time in the street, spent more and more time having sex with local boys. Her reputation started to sour. She was raped by a local thug, like a, some tough guy, uh, when she was 15. Now, here's what's weird about Japanese society. I think it's changed, but also they have certain Rules. attitudes and morals and things. So, after she was raped, for this disgrace, she was cruelly punished by her parents by being sold away to a nobility house to become a geisha, something she did not want to be when she was 17 in 1922. Because she was raped, and now it's like, oh, you brought dishonor to our family, so we're going to... Or it was like a military school, like we're going to send you off to be a better person, but I don't know if geisha... Are geishas like prostitutes, though, right? So you would... Yeah. So, and if she was sold off, then it's like, you're no longer a child. Like, see ya. That's but, weird. I can't imagine doing that to a child. Yeah, exactly. Especially yeah, just not my child. Like, yeah. Um, the Society of Geishas was then under a caste system. Because she had not trained since childhood to become a geisha, Abe was never considered anything but bottom caste. A whore, a glorified prostitute, who was only allowed to entertain through sex. When she'd finally had enough of abuse from her male clients, as well as the other geishas, and upon discovering she had contacted syphilis, Seda Abe decided to strike out on her own and become a legally licensed prostitute. Oh, wow. You could be <laughs> so, legally licensed? Yeah. Back then? Yeah. Well, yeah. And in Japan, that's what's weird. Like, okay. In Vegas, you can, but here you can't. But Japanese is like maybe all over. Um, but that's where also we're such a young country, you know, where some of the things that aren't legal here are legal other places and have yeah, been for hundreds of years. So she started working in the Tobita brothel district in the late 1920s and continued at this for several years. The pay was better than that for a geisha. 
as was the access to medical attention and care. However, she soon butted heads with the owners of the brothel and gained a reputation of stealing money from John's. Eventually, she escaped the Tobita brothel and worked as a hostess and as a waitress. Unsatisfied with the pay, she returned to sex work, however, this time unlicensed and on her own terms. So it's probably like uh, Amsterdam where they, I don't know if they have tax, however the taxes work, but it's one of those. Like Vegas is probably, okay, we get the money from the prostitute, you know, the government gets whatever. So uh, now in her late 20s, she was arrested for unlicensed prostitution in 1934 and was bailed out by Konosuka Kasahara a well-connected, wealthy friend friend of the last brothel where Abe had worked. Kasaharo was attracted to Abe, and she soon became his kept mistress. He provided her with an income, her own house, and anything she asked for. But oh, even nice. he became overwhelmed with Sada Abe. She was nymphomaniac or something. Oh, wow. In his, disp- in his deposition to the police. Wait, and all this time she still has syphilis, right? Because yeah. that's not something you can get rid of. Right. And then also from Isn't what it? you from what you hear about syphilis is like Hitler had it. It can make and, you go crazy. And so did uh, Al Capone. And yeah, it makes you go crazy after a while. So that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. But that's uh that's maybe that's what led to this. But um so he even became overwhelmed with her. In his deposition, Kasahara recounted she astounded me. She just wasn't satisfied unless we did it three or four times a night. I loved it at first, but eventually she became exhausting. He then added angrily, she is a bad woman, a slut and a whore. What she, Okay, you knew that getting into well, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, what she has done makes it clear. She is a woman that all men should fear. Because of this was at the deposition okay. later after she got caught. Okay. Not because she wants it day and night. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and also, like I said, Japanese, it's like that's probably unheard of for, you know, you're supposed to be prim and proper and, and whatever. Meek. You're supposed to be yeah. the meek one. Yeah, that's interesting. But then they sell like used undies in the vending machines and stuff like in Japan, in Tokyo. I bought a couple. They're like two bucks. No, I didn't buy it. But, <laughs> like what? But yeah, but they have stuff like that. But then it's like, no, be bow to me, do this, you know, right. be proper with your etiquette. Um, so Abe reported that her relationship with Kasahara was abusive, saying he never loved me and he treated me like an animal. He was the kind of man who would beg me every time I suggested we break up. Those close to Kasahara reported that Abe had asked Kasahara to take other lovers. When he refused, she immediately broke it off. Abe needed anything the way she wanted it. Everything the way she wanted it. Needing work after her breakup with Kasahara, but not wanting to enter the sex industry again, Abe began working at a restaurant in Nagoya. There she met Goro Omiya. I know I said that. A professor and up-and-coming politician. He paid for her move back to Tokyo, and while the two were lovers, he proved to be quite the mentor for Abe, suggesting that she own a restaurant and secure her financial independence. So she didn't have to return to the sex work. He got her an apprenticeship as an upscale Tokyo restaurant in January of 1936. The owner of this establishment was none other than the man she would kill, Uh Kichizo Ishida. 
Ishida was known as a womanizer and a serial cheater who let his wife do the majority of the restaurant's running so he could do as he pleased. Soon, he decided he wanted Sada Abe as his next lover. In April of 1936, hey, it's almost April, they consummated their relationship on the floor of the restaurant and proceeded to drink, eat, and make love in various tea houses, hotels throughout Tokyo. They right. planned for their time together to only be a short fling, but instead spent days in bed. Ishida had been away from the restaurant for two weeks when he finally returned in May of 1936 after so much time spent with Sada Abe. She, meanwhile, uh, ignored her work at the restaurant, drinking heavily. She felt that with Ishida, she had found true love. Just the thought of Ishida being back with his wife made her sick with jealousy. She knew because of his history as a womanizer, he would never leave his wife for her. Uh-oh, she's fatal. Abe began to contemplate killing him, and just a week before his murder, she bought a big kitchen knife. However, when she threatened him with it, putting the knife to the base of his penis and threatening to cut it off. Oh, my God. So he would never entertain other women. He laughed it off, thinking it was a joke. They once again returned to the tea houses and one night mid-sex, Abe took the sash of her kimono and choked him with it. Ashida thought she was doing it to enhance his pleasure and asked her to continue. Yeah, this guy's a freak. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not knowing her ulterior motives. That night, as Ashida slept, Sade Abba once again wrapped her sash around his throat, this time strangling him to death. After killing him, Abe then took her knife, cutting off his genitals, wrapped them in paper, and put them in the pockets of her dress. She then used blood to write Sada Ishida no Kichi Futari Kiri, which means we, Sada Abe, and Kishizo Ishida are alone together. On the bed sheets, that's where she wrote it. Also used the knife to carve her name, Sada, into his left arm. God damn. She dressed him and then left the tea house, telling the staff that Ishida was sleeping to not disturb him. Abe went missing. And Ashida's body was discovered and a massive search began for Sada Abe. Her crime caused intense national public panic and became sensational in the media. Her former mentor, Goro Omiyaz, political career was ruined forever because he was associated with her. And that was a guy that was like, you should own a, a restaurant right. trying to help her. And now he got fucked. Uh, in a not a good way. Right. Uh, her siblings were found and questioned about Sada Abe's behavior. False sightings were reported of her, resulting in panic, stampedes, and even a reported traffic jam in Ginza. Are you serious? Yeah. What? Abe, well, they're like, I think I saw her, and then everybody's looking for her. Cause, oh, you I know. was like, I thought everybody's running in the opposite direction because they think she's running down the street with a Ginsu. Maybe a Ginsu knife, <laughs> yeah. Cut through, a, cut through a beer can and a tomato <laughs> and a brick, I think. Uh, uh, Ginsu. And a boner. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, and that'd be a lot of blood, too. Well, no. If she killed him when he's dead. Yeah. Then it, it wouldn't be flaccid. as much. Okay. Um, uh, you, uh, Albert, <laughs> be careful. <laughs> uh, Abe went missing after. She, did I already say that? Yeah. I did. Yeah. Uh, traffic jam. Sorry. Yeah. Traffic jam. Uh, now I sound like you. Did I read that? Yeah, did I did. I re- yeah. Um, Abe planned to commit suicide after attempting necrophilia with Ashida's oh, detached penis. What? 
she she decided to jump from Mount. Well, also, like you said, it's flaccid. I can't even. I don't know. Um, Wait. Trying to to wrap your mind around it? No, no. Okay, let's just move on. (laughs) Ask questions. Makes it better for the listeners. Move on. A flaccid penis. Like you got to jam it in there. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Weird. Yeah. So she was going to jump from this mountain, Mount Ikoma, with it in her hand. The day before her planned suicide, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, the police found there her in her room one. in Shinagawa, not believing it was really her. Sada Abe showed them Ashida's penis as identification. <laughs> sorry. So, so like she could have got away with it. They would have been like, "You're not her." And then she's like, "Ta-da!" Um, there's pictures of her when she's being walked by the police. Got a big smile on her face, like, hey, everybody. Oh, my God. Abe was then arrested and interrogated over eight times. She kept a strangely calm demeanor throughout, baffling police. When asked why she severed Ishida's genitalia, she said, I couldn't take his head with me, and I figured I wanted to take the part of him that had brought me the best memories. All righty, then. When asked why she had killed Ashida, her eyes took on a strange sparkle, and she gushed excitedly. I loved him so much and wanted him to I was trying to pass you. I loved him so much and wanted him all to myself, but since I could not be his wife, I knew he would go to other women, and I knew if I killed him, no other woman could ever touch him, so I killed him. Okay. The fact but that's a sound uh, yeah. argument there. Well, and it's, I mean, it's like. So I killed him. She finds the one guy who's like, this is too exhausting. Now she finds a guy that does like her, but she right. knows that that's going to end. And kinky as and, hell. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And for 1936, like this was really. Yeah. And I think that's why all the public was like, oh, this is exciting. The fact that she supposedly killed him out of love is what captivated the nation. At the time, Japan was experiencing political and military troubles and a looming war in China. Uh, And the story of Sada Abe Abe provided a fascinating, if grotesque, distraction for the general public. Sade was convicted of murder and sentenced to, are you ready? Six years in jail. That's it? Yeah. Six years? Yeah. For cutting off a guy's genitalia? Gets out in five. Six years. Yeah. And then she only served five, being released in 1941. However, when she came out of prison, her family only grew. Her fame, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> Yeah. She her had fame. kids? Yeah. Her fame only grew. Upon release from prison, Sade Abe tried to live under another name. She moved to Sanitama Prefecture and entered another relationship. However, this was short-lived, Yeah, and when her true identity was discovered, she ended her relationship and decided to embrace her notoriety. After World War II, Japanese social mores and culture changed immensely. After the strict censorship of media that existed when Sade was younger, the new Japanese media embraced the obscene and sleazy. In this new atmosphere, Sade Abe was seen as a critic of totalitarianism, a champion of women's advancement, even a symbol of freedom, which is weird. I mean, it's woman power, but it's <laughs> not that that guy raped her and that's why she killed him. Like, it's 
you were cheating with a married man exactly. and you killed him because you were selfish. You kept his part. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you killed him. Yeah. For a don't souvenir. forget that you murdered him. Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. And, uh, she sat for interviews with numerous personalities and writers. And eventually a book was written from these talks, the erotic confessions of Sade Abe. Let me read that. The erotic confessions of anyway. Um, <laughs> the, the book was a national bestseller further propelling Abe to eternal infamy. However, Abe herself felt that the book portrayed her as a pervert. How dare they? In her mind, she had committed this crime out of love. To set the record straight, she penned her own account, simply titled Memoirs of Sade Abba, published in 1948. She made paid appearances at hotels and restaurants where male patrons would yell, Hide the knives! And cover their crotches, <laughs> and cover their crotches for amusement. Years later, her story went on to screen in a 1976 erotic thriller called *In the Realm of the Senses*, which I've heard about. Um, directed by Nagisa Oshima and widely banned both in Japan and in other countries, but was shown heavily censored at the 1976 New York Film Festival, where it received acclaim. The theme song of the film was covered by many artists worldwide, including American artist Quincy Jones. As of Sada herself, she disappeared after 1970. Nobody knows exactly what happened to her. The director of In the Realm of the Senses said that he met her as an old woman and her hair shorn in a secluded nunnery in Kansai on Japan's main island in Honshu. However, the claim has never been substantiated, and to this day, her later life and death remains unknown. Sada's life, crime, and legacy is truly one of the most bizarre mysteries of the 20th century and captivates the Japanese public to this day, much in the same way the Manson family murders do in the United States. Truly, if anyone committed the ultimate crime of passion, it was Sade Abba Gisha Murderess. Wow. That was a lot. So, yeah, so I, well, I'm sorry it was so long. Uh, that's what she that said. Was a long <laughs> he said it. <laughs> um, the, All right. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, and it was, well, and that's where I was like 1930s, like something like that. And like. Right before. Weird, like, like before right, the war, before 41, like yeah. when she got out was when they were attacking Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Weird that they like held her up, almost kind of venerated her after that, like because well, it was like a love story. That's and, weird. And that's what we're doing now, in a way. Where I was listening to another podcast. My, like I said, my wife goes, "Do you do anything else other than do you read the news? Do you do that?" And uh, I go, "No." I said, "Don't you read Albert's Instagram? Like, don't listen. <laughs> Everything you see is false." Um, so, um, the. Uh, the thing with like the the Ted Bundy thing on Netflix, right. it makes him almost like a hero figure where you're supposed to be like, oh, this is exciting. That's why I like the podcast, uh, last podcast on the left, because they make fun of the killers. Right. And they'll treat them like they're idiots and they'll talk about them and give them a weird voice and stupid. But they'll also tell the story. Right. But they're like, we're not holding these guys up. Right. And a lot of with these true crime things, more of our thing is like, here's an interesting story. We're not going to, for me at least, I don't know about you for your podcast, but it's like, I'm not going to do, you guys did Richard Ramirez, but I'm not going to give you the regular 
right. you know, uh, John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy and stuff. Yeah, because people are fascinated. Well, yeah. I think people are just fascinated that how these people's how minds the, work. Yeah, yeah. What makes you flip? And like you said, that's interesting about the syphilis where, you know, that could have caused her to, you know. Go a little crazy. Yeah. But also it's, I don't know, it's the, uh, it's the thing of being being just in love like she was so in love like like it just makes no sense like you said you can't wrap your mind around it like yeah. i would never it's just like it's the same thing in a way not the same thing because murder and love are different right <laughs> but it's like me and the wife go could you imagine like being in an abusive relationship like no. what why no. would you even yeah and it's like it makes no sense but there's people that people, are in yeah. them right now as we speak yeah and yeah the minds that work that way but yeah, it's not like this guy was, like, breaking up with her or anything. Yeah. It was just, like, yeah, in yeah. her mind, she'd already said, this is the end. This is as good as it gets. Yeah. yeah, I know that I'm woman number 10 and, right. you know, whatever. And it's like, and then for that wife just to be like, well, I'm running the restaurant. And, you know, his wife was just, like, you know, either blind, you know, turning her turning her back to the whole thing. She's like, you, you do what you want. I'll run the restaurant. Wow. Well, I kind of switched things up because I was going to do a murder. Uh-oh, I'm but sorry. But I'm not going to tell you what it's going to be because I'm going to do it next week. So I'm going to do the Ancient Ram Inn. Have you ever heard of this? Ram Inn? Yeah. Like, it's in... Um, like how Sade Abe ram in that guy's penis? I don't think she was ramming anything after. I think she was pushing. It's like, it's like when I, I can't explain it. like a bag of something that you're putting into your fridge. Like you got to try to fight with it to get it into the fridge. Cause it's like a bag of potatoes. Or maybe she folded it up. Oh, that'd be weird. Yeah. Yeah. She was just strange. But yeah, oh maybe. God. Uh, what was that movie? There was, oh God. It was Bad Moms, Kirsten Bell's character. When oh, she's yeah. talking about folding it up and like she's talking oh. about her husband and how they get it on and whatever. And she's like, I just fold it up and I just jam it up there or whatever. <laughs> that's what I, that's what came to mind when she was. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> like, were like, maybe you fold it. <laughs> oh, she's just so. Uh, but okay. I'm sure she was imagining it different. And then when it actually happened, she was like, oh, this isn't. It doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, <laughs> this well. thing's broken. Yeah. Hello, is this thing on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hello, hello. <laughs> All right. Like I was saying, I'm okay. doing the ancient ramen. Okay. Yeah. It's in Wikipedia. It's listed as a grade two building, a former pub located in Watton under edge. A market town within the Stroud district of Gloucestershire, England. And I had to look that up on Google and listen to the way it sounded because I was going to really mess that up. Well, and you showed it to me. And before I realized it was a town, I was like, oh, she's talking about medication. Like, that's a Gloucestermine, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's like Worcestershire sauce. Yeah. But I'm sure there's uh, English people who are like, Phoenix, how do you say that? How come there's an O and an E and how come that, you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Tucson? Is that Tucson? No, it's Tucson. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So it's in England. It is said to be one of the most haunted hotels in the whole country. Oh. Literally. And after you hear this, you, you might think the same thing. Um, the inn was built in the year 1145. 
When William Fitzrobert, heir to the Lord Berkeley, had served the first recorded rector of Wotton, or Watton, I don't know how you say that. I didn't look that one up. W-O-T-I-N? Yeah. Wotton? No. Oh. W-O-T-T-O-N. Watton. Watton, yeah. Connected with the church, the original building was larger than its present form and had been a home to a local priest. Much of the town of Watton was destroyed by fire in the reign of King John, but the ram survived. The inn has been owned by many people since 1145 and was in the private ownership of John Humphreys until his death in December 2017. You this, owned it from 1145 to 2017? No, 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 wonder no. I think it like the 1960s. <laughs> okay, okay. He was an interesting character. Like I was watching a few videos with him and oh wow. So it was a castle and then and an no, inn? No, no. No, it was a, it no. was what caught on fire? The town caught on fire. Oh, the town. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. And the inn survived. Okay. Yeah, I think it was like, okay, just listen. I'm sorry. This inn was said to have also been owned by the local St. Mary's Church when it was first built. It's been featured in Ghost Adventures. I know it's your favorite. You like to roll your eyes at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Most Haunted. I don't know if you ever watched that either. Also on Great British Ghosts. It's also been investigated by the UK Paranormal Study, the Ghost Club, um, which is the oldest paranormal research organization in the world. Wow, Ghost Club. I want the to Ghost just be Club. a member just with that cool name, yeah. You get a card, yeah, you get yeah, a jacket. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I'm with Ghost Club. I'm here to, <laughs> yeah. Do they ride motorcycles? Kick ass and take spirits, yeah. <laughs> Um, built in 1145, this location boasts a dark and brutal history. It was first used as a housing for slaves and workers used by the St. Mary Church until 1930, when it was privately bought and used as an inn by Marie's Bath. Situated on the marshy Potter's Pond, streams that crossed the inn's land had to be diverted in order to lay the foundations for the church. Some have theorized that this redirection of water was instrumental in opening a portal of dark energy. Okay, as is often claimed of Christian architecture in the Middle Ages, the church was supposedly built on a ley line on purpose. And yeah, so the land was built on two ley lines um, right in the center. Well, not in the center, but like kind of on it, yeah. on the intersection of two ley lines. These are places which people believe to have high spiritual energy. When you use a map, you can trace the lines all the way through the center of Stonehenge. According to the legend, Sto- huh. interesting, yeah. Stonehenge? Yeah, well, it's that it connects those two, and maybe there's something. And a few other things, too. Stonehenge has energy which travels the ley lines to feed the paranormal power found in the ancient Ram Inn. That's what some people believe. And the interesting thing about ley lines is there is some scientific background to them. They say that birds use ley lines to travel. Migrate and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So that's weird. Well, uh, that's like... just. A- go into birds for a second birds are in it where one will turn they all turn exactly like that's always amazing like when they're in a flock of birds they'll just turn at an instant and they yeah. all turn there's not one going wait a minute it's they're almost all, like they have a hive mind yeah yeah they all and move it in the same yeah. like fish do and it's and it's the same thing with uh there was a thing on national uh, geographic or something once where 
like the animals that are connected to each other, there's a bird that'll bother this badger enough to where the badger will follow the bird. The bird will take him to a beehive. The badger goes up, breaks the beehive open, nose to only half, leaves the other half of the bird. Like it's a community, a communal thing. Like, oh, you help me. Here you go. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it was that's a, crazy. It was a documentary that I've been looking for forever because it had all this really cool stuff in there, and it was like in the late '80s, and I was like, that was really cool, and I could never find it. But anyway, <laughs> all right. So, and then one of the most well-known legends sur- surrounding this haunted English house is that of a witch who was burned at a stake. Which par for the course for that time in history, I guess. Yeah, poor witches, poor ladies who are like, I love Megadeth, and you're like, you're a witch. <laughs> <laughs> or they're just grounding up some herbs to help somebody, and oh, you're a witch. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're like, I'm making tamales. You're a like, witch. I can't even imagine like if somebody just accused you of being a witch, all of a sudden it's like a thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Somebody yeah, says, like I don't person. like that lady. Yeah. Well, there was a movie called Doubt about this woman said I was touched or they just assume Philip Seymour Hoffman touched these women at a Catholic school and all of a sudden, and that's why it was called Doubt. Right. He was like, I didn't. And the whole point was you to make up your own mind. And like he said, it's like a pillow and they showed the metaphor. It's like a feather pillow exploding on a roof and then all the feather, like it's too late. You've already said it. It's now out it's there. It's all out there. And yeah. whether you And everybody it or just not. takes off with it. Yeah. So the witch burned. Yeah. The burning occurred in the 1500s at the height of the pers- prosecutions against those who did not practice government sanctioned Christianity. Um, like rebels. It's like uh, like Freddy Krueger when he got burned by, the, uh, by all the parents. It was unsanctioned. I don't know. <laughs> I got to bring it back to movies. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy Krueger molested all those children, so they burned him. Yeah. Such a cool... <laughs> Not the same. No, I know. But I, I, love, I love when you see the movie where all of a sudden the mom keeps going, I don't know what you're talking about, Freddy Krueger. I have no idea. And then the mom goes into the basement, gets this thing, unrolls it, and there's his glove. And you're like, holy shit, her mom knew the whole time. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry, this isn't a movie podcast. It's, tell me more about that. That's okay. Witches. That's okay, because okay. that's your forte. <laughs> go ahead. I got to put in words that I understand. That's right. Okay. So her spirit's well known for physically harming all visitors by scratching or burning those who enter. Ooh. Yeah. Um, She's been recorded. When she's heard, she normally taunts those trying to investigate her by laughing. Probably has my laugh. See, it's like, like we've said, I think you've said on here, but I've talked on when I had my other podcast was... Witches and aliens seem like they're just kids, like, fucking with people, you right? know? It's like, they just do childish shit, throw, like, Legos across the room like the infield ghost, and you're like, do what something meaningful. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> stop moving furniture. I Say just put something, communicate. Yeah, exactly. They're like, no, this is way more fun. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna, again, I'm going to leave it to your own imagination. Exactly. You decide. It's ambiguous. She is said to still haunt one of the rooms in the inn to this day, and that room's called the Witch's Room. Oh, well, of course. That's where the gift shop is. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's totally where the gift shop is. Um, There are a lot of other ghosts, including a Roman centurion seen by a plumber working on site, and a young girl who was murdered here by one of the inn's more sinister former residents. The girl was supposedly the innkeeper's daughter, and she was found hanging in the attic. Um, oh. 
And then there's the high priestess. She's particularly scary. Um, a few people have reported to be woken by the sound of a woman chanting. Oh, yeah. It was Abe, whatever her name yeah, is. Yeah, Sada Abe. <laughs> Sada yeah. Abe. She's like, where's your penis? <laughs> yeah. And then looking at the bottom of their beds and see a woman in white religious robes looking down on them, raised arms in the air and chanting in some strange language. Oh, that Probably would... a druid or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be weird. Super weird. Yeah. Frightening if you wake up and... Uh... If you see this place, like I'm going to probably post some pictures, but yeah, this place is like super creepy looking. The, yeah. the rooms are like, I mean... Not only is it a thousand years old, but the guy is a hoarder. Oh, yeah. The guy that owned it. Well, he's passed away already, but yeah, it's obviously that he liked to collect things. Yeah. And Uh. it was, I mean, you could tell there was like dust all over everything. And it was just almost like a rabbit's war and going from one room to the other. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the men's kitchen. In July 2003, the Ghost Club, a paranormal investigation team, paid a visit to the Ram and photographed a number of orbs here in the men's kitchen floating above John's head. I have to find that picture. They also reported a moving electromagnetic frequency hotspot. The main attraction in this area, though, is the ancient grave, a place where a team of ghost hunters found the grave containing the remains of a woman and a child buried with broken iron shards, thought to be iron dacquers used in ritual sacrifice. Like inside the inn? Inside the the inn, yeah. So I guess they were looking for like something completely different, like a secret entrance to wine cellar or something. So they got permission to like... Tear up the floorboards or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't find that. They found this. Wow. That's a good find. Yeah. Especially with the iron. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They found this grave, by the way, looking for... Okay. For a sealed cellar. See if I would have waited. It's like Philip. I would have told you. Yeah. I wrote it down. Yeah. Weirdly enough, these ghost hunters experienced a car crash on their way home after finding this. They all did? Yeah. Did they die? I haven't, it didn't really say, and I couldn't find anything else, so that's weird. Um, There have been many sightings of previous owners of the inn seen residing and sitting together with the patrons of today's time. Wow. Um, There's also the Mayflower Barn, said to be the former stables of the property. Experiences here are very typical. One person was attacked by an invisible force that threw him to the floor before beating and kicking him wow you know it's all right like if you're a ghost and you're like boo and you want to get some evps but once they start touching you yeah, fuck yeah. that like i'm yeah. not even going anywhere near that fucking yeah, place yeah, yeah it's like when you're doing the childish stuff okay that's fine but yeah. now you push me down me. some stairs i'm out see ya <laughs> yeah and this is okay so apparently this wasn't the first time an 18 year old ghost hunter had previously claimed to be thrown to the floor by an unseen force well, John, who's the owner of the place himself, the one that just passed away uh, a couple of years ago, um, he'd seen strange lights there. And he'd also been pinned against the wall while the diving curtains were torn apart. I'm not sure what diving curtains are, but yeah, they were torn apart. A father and son team once fled the space after witnessing a ghost rising from the floor. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, uh, well, and that's my thing. Like, 
I don't go ahead. It's no, no. Go ahead. Or, well, I was just going to say, like, I realized recently that I think I like slasher movies more than, say, like, ghost, paranormal type right. stuff. It's that thing of, like, I, I wrote in an email to you on one of your first shows of where I saw that kid in the chair. Yeah. And I put my hand through it. Now, is that a ghost or was that my eyes fucking with me or what was that? You know, and my grandma had told a story about when her great-grandma died or her grandma that she woke up she saw an apparition like above the sink and the apparition went down the drain and the next day her grandma had died that was her grandma saying bye and it was like oh that's you know weird yeah my my mom had like a weird story okay so my mom's like very religious she doesn't believe in ghosts uh-huh. and for her to tell the story like to us we were like sitting there like huh so they lived on this house off of 15th avenue it was really nice it was like a loft house but they had a few weird things that had happened in there but this is so my mom's laying down my dog patches um was staying with them at the time because we were living in apartments and we couldn't have dogs mm-hmm. so she was used to patches like laying in bed with her so she thinks Patches is lying behind her and she feels like this kind of pushing on her back. And, and all of a sudden she's like, Patches, get off the bed, get off the bed. (laughs) And she hears like Patches, like collar kind of, (laughs) but on the side of the bed where she's facing. Oh, and she looks over the side of the bed and there's Patches right there. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) She literally turns around and she sees this weird, like, thing floating out the door, and it had, like, multiple eyes. Oh, like a When she explained shadow, it to me, I was yeah. like, yeah, she's like, I don't know. It must have been the medication. <laughs> like, oh. she had just had surgery. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, she's like, I don't know what, what that was. She's yeah. like, yeah, but I felt like something was in this house. So, wow. yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a creepy thing. Oh. <laughs> Um, Especially, oh, that that'd be good for a movie too. Stop, stop, and then oh, there's the and dog then you there, hear the dogs, right? yeah, the collar, and you yeah. look over, it. yeah, yeah. That gave me the creeps, and after that, like I would just like, I never felt anything in that house. Yeah, but my but my mom is such like a straight laced person. Yeah, yeah, and whenever we've like said, oh, we think there's a ghost in there or something, she's like, stop it. I don't believe in ghosts. There's yeah, no yeah. such thing. Well, and it could have been like. Like Yvette said, where her family's like, no, like, don't mention it. Don't say because you're going to bring it in. Right. Don't, you know. Right. And, and that was my know, mom. Yeah. And because it's the thing of, I want to see grandma, bring grandma, but you know that, okay, I've crossed a realm now and it's not going to be grandma. It's also going to be Hitler and, you know, Stalin and I don't know, whatever. Go up into the door. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. coming yeah, through and now. Yeah, now the evil's coming and the good. They saw the light open. Yeah, and they're like, they're all running towards yeah, the light. Run to the door. <laughs> okay, so what was I talking about? Oh. So they, uh, so there's people the Mayflower died in the car. Barn. Right? The, the people, yeah, people, the old owners. Them seeing the ghosts rising the ghost. from the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of the most haunted rooms in the entire inn, and it's not the Mayflower Barn, apparently. It's called the Bishop's bishop's inn or the bishop's room the room is found on the first floor of the house and when the inn was still bed and breakfast a lot of guests would not want to sleep in that room apparently they would flee in the middle of the night through a window in the room 
Like, not even go through the front door. This is, like, I don't know what happened in that room, but they went through the window to get the fuck out of there. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it must have been bad, yeah. Maybe something was, like, blocking the door or, like, in one of these... Well, or it's a thing of you don't even want to go down the hall, down the... You know, whatever. You just need out, like, you know. That'd be something Yvette would do. Just jump out the window, break some legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you a story about Yvette and me? Because you were telling me the one about you and Sergio. Okay, so like we're in the pool at Gilbert and Norma's house. And we're all just like having a good time and whatever. And freaking Albert finds this freaking beetle that was like massive. It was this huge ass beetle. And he comes and brings it. And I can't remember if he threw it in the water or he was just teasing us with it. <laughs> all I remember is like we all like swam to the other side of the pool. <laughs> And it was like crabs in a barrel. So yeah. Yvette was usually, literally using me and pushing me <laughs> to down get to get out of the pool. Wow. That's when you know who your real friends are. There's a killer coming. Go get him. That's hilarious. Yeah, she would just, yeah, you know that, well, I'm glad that we don't get robbed because you're just going to push me in front of the gun and run. Oh my god. I always tease her and say, well, when the zombies come, like, I'll be the la- the first one to go because yeah. they run fast and well, she'll just same, push me out of the way. Same thing she said when you guys were hiking and there was a snake and like, or no, was that you, Ren? And I she ran. was fine. Yeah, yeah. You were like, fuck it. I'm done. Bye. Yeah. So yeah, that was that. Late owner, John Humphreys, um, who, by the way, like I said, he was an interesting character. Um, I saw him on that Ghost Adventures episode, and also there was a few other videos that um, had him. And on the Ghost Adventures episode, like his, he's already a very old man. Uh-huh. He's super sweet, but his hair was like dyed this reddish color, <laughs> but the <laughs> yeah. kind of reddish color like older people that have already have white hair and they try to dye their yeah, hair yeah. red, that color. Yeah. <laughs> And his hair is all combed towards the front, like almost a little bit curly. <laughs> so it was a little interesting. And then, and this other, uh, it was they were ghost hunters too. But he already had like the, he looked like Miracle Max, Princess Bride. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he he seemed like a really sweet guy, but, but his hair was interesting, yeah, and he like was an always eccentric. wearing like a jack. He was super eccentric. And well, that's wearing, like if you see. Uh, if you watch the thing about uh, Foxcatcher, like that guy's weird wearing the gold jackets and just like a weird, weird old guy. Yeah, he. Anyway. I thought he was like some rock star or something. Like the yeah. way his hair was, like in that episode of Ghost Adventures. Yeah. And he was wearing like a like one of those really old school like biker jackets. Oh yeah, yeah. But that you see in England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shorter yeah I, I yeah i thought he was a rock star i yeah. had to really look him up i was like okay this, is this guy famous or something yeah. what band you sing for yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah he was an in- interesting character um so anyways like i was saying he claims that the bishop's room is the most haunted part of the ram with other over nine different ghosts being spotted within the wine is now taking effect would pour you more, but that's a far reach. Yeah, it's okay. Those who have entered have seen a hooded monk walking around, an old man and his faithful pooch standing guard at the door, and a woman hanging from the ceiling. Oof. All those things. Guests have strange mists forming in front of their eyes and have heard giggles and screams of children all around the location. 
So, and I literally like can't bring to mind the name of this. Um, it was on YouTube. It was another ghost hunter. They, I don't think but they come But if you typed up. in Ram in, it might come it, up. It'll pop yeah. up. But I guess this guy's experience was like they were there overnight spending the night in this bishop's room and the mom was sitting on the bed and she starts like going, <laughs> like, and all of a sudden she like lays back on the bed and she's possessed. Wow. Yeah. Totally freaky. And right before that, somebody was like banging on the door outside the door. <laughs> So that might be the reason people fled through the window because yeah. they heard somebody out in the hallway. And these, if you like go online and watch these things, these hallways are super narrow. Yeah. So yeah, I could, I could totally see. It's like, no thanks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially somebody gets possessed. I'm like, sorry, honey. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta go. I love you. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So over the years, the Humphreys family have found a lot of a lot of demonic artifacts and strange sights inside. Not long after moving in, the family noticed a strange activity, and it did not take them long to find a goat's hoof lodged behind a brick in the chimney. So I don't know what that means. A brick lodged. A, a goat's hoof. Oh. Hoof. Oh wow! Yeah. Hoof. Yeah. Hoof. Wow. Yeah. Maybe they were burning. <laughs> yeah. Hoof. Hoof. Yeah. Um, they were soon, burning. Yeah, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So I guess this is a tribute to the devil. Soon after, they began to find other tributes to the devil, such as a mummified, as mummified animals, daggers that look as if they have been used, used, and jars full of strange objects and liquids. One looked like a human finger. Weird. And Saudi Abe's lover's penis was oh. in one of those jars. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on the episode of Ghost Adventures that I was talking about where they spent the night at the Rams Inn, uh, Mr. Humphreys mentioned that people had claimed that they had been visited in the night by a succubus, which is a, and sexually harassed, which is me too. part for the course Hashtag for succubus. Hashtag Me Too movement. Yeah. It, what? <laughs> they were sexually Hashtag harassed. Too. Hashtag Me Too. Yeah. All right. Included John, including John himself, he claims to have been raped repeatedly by the incubus or succubus. He wishes. No, I think he really. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Made his hair turn red. This is what he said. It made his hair turn red. Um, To the point where he carried a Bible around with him around the house. Interesting factoid. During the Middle Ages, incubi and succubi were often blamed as the cause of erotic dreams. Some even welcomed them. And on his deathbed, Pope Sylvester II confessed to have had a relationship with a succubus. Really? Yeah. You heard about Pope Pius, who was the, wasn't that the one with the uh, stigmata and everything? Yeah. Like, it was real weird. It's interesting. And uh, say something, something about, oh, it was about the Bible. You can carry the Bible around, but if you don't believe in it, it's not going to do you any good. You can't just carry a Bible around and be right. like, this is full of God. No, it's got to come from, you know, I'm not a believer, but. Right. It's like, I like that on uh, Fright Night. Again, I've got to bring up a movie to make right. you understand. On Fright Night, he holds up the cross or whatever in the Bible, and he's like, you have to have faith to have that work on me. And it's like, oh, shit. You know? Oops. So, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> oops. The best, on a side thing real quick, I don't know if you've seen it, Dracula 2000. That was the best yeah. Dracula movie I ever saw because they incorporated the Bible. So it was Judas who betrayed Jesus, 
who then hung himself and then became Dracula. A vampire. And then that's why he doesn't like silver. That's why he hates crosses. Oh, yeah. Like I remember this, that Because part. of the 30 pieces of silver. Like, this whole thing is really clever. That's that's an interesting biblical was, reference. Yeah, it was... Well, that's what I liked, was it was really... It made sense. And, uh, and then there was a cool opening there where... Van Helsing, they were like, oh, you're Van Helsing, you fought Dracula, and it's like nowadays, and he's like, whatever, that's a rumor, it's my grandpa, he's putting a book, whatever, and all of a sudden, when Dracula escapes, he hits a button, and all the pictures turn around on the walls, and stakes and all kinds of things are there for, you know, his weapons, it's really cool, anyway, okay, (laughs) (laughs) go ahead. Um, I'll just put this out as my movie episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, anyways, sorry about the incubi and the succubus. Oh yeah, um, yeah. They used that he had used her influence in helping him to achieve rank and power within the church. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. Yeah, but and why That's he super would creepy? Conf- why he would confess That's demonic. to that? Yeah, but who knows? That's why I would like to on the movie like one of those. Um, the Tom Hanks movies, they show that they go to the archives of the Vatican. Right. I would love to like... Just go there and go through the out. library. I was doing security one time for a guy that it was like an artist and he had like all this cool stuff. But uh, his wife was like, come on in here, let me show you. And his whole house was done like a museum. And he had died. And she was like, there's a Bible from like the 1400s like on a pedestal, like open and it had the cool drawings. And I was just like, Oh, I'd love to have that. Right. They had like, I don't know where he got it, but a mummified like baby, like behind a glass wall that he had made. He had all of his stuff back there. And uh, anyway, like stuff a like that. A mummified baby? Yeah. Like an weird. infant? It was like, well, it was he small. He just had it on display? It was small and it was black. Right. Not a black baby, <laughs> not black ethnicity. Right. right. It was it. just a black thing that was the size like this big. Anyway, it was uh, it was weird, and that's what I'm saying. With the Vatican, you'd find all this. Oh yeah, I old, bet. Cool like in stuff. their, the stuff that they don't have and out, the, and maybe the secrets of you know Pope yeah. Pius. That's what I'd like that. to see the secret stuff. Yeah. Um, so about John Hun- Humphreys, he protected the building and its story by bravely making the ancient ram in his home. Um, John see, if, Bot- I, huh? if I get raped. I'm going to go, look, I'm going to sell this place. I get raped like, several times. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to sell it. Like, I mean, he owned this place since 1968. Yeah. And he lost his wife and his daughters because his wife was like, I'm not having anything to do with this place. Because immediately stuff started happening when they moved in. And yeah. she was like, bye. And like, that's like, a real reaction. Unlike yeah. that one that we did not that long ago. Where the whole family was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, yeah, Amityville horror Amityville. where they're all like, yeah. Like I said, he bought the house in 1968. He was introduced to the angry ghost in his first night in his new home. After going to sleep, he claims a demonic force grabbed his arm and dragged him out of bed and across the room. Paranormal activity number one. Exactly. That was creepy as fuck. At least 10 people. And apparently he was sleeping above where that grave that they found was. Yeah. Not sure why that was. Did they find out who that was? No, they didn't. Yeah, that's. Yeah. At least 10 people have claimed to have been possessed and in one of, in one of the rooms and have had to go to the church to be exercised. A quote from one of the websites, the Bohemian blog, perfectly sums up what much of the inn looks like. And it's a good read and it's well-researched. Um, quote, unquote, it says, 
John was a hoarder. That much was plain to see. For all the harmless junk, however, the English pub ephemera and local souvenirs, I began to notice a darker theme that spread through the collection. Tucked behind the red velvet seats that sat about the fireplace, a Ouija board stood, stood propped against the stone wall. Replica human skulls lay dotted here and there amongst the refuse. An impressive collection of dead and taxidermied things lay all about. The clutter was not random. But rather, the more I looked, the more I found a preoccupation with the macabre, the occult. Sadly, John passed away December of 2017. It looks like the tours are still available, but looking at TripAdvisor, it looks like it's mostly paranormal ghost groups. But do you know if, like with all that stuff they found, is that because he was selling tours and that attracts the people then go, oh, look, it's a human skull. Yeah, it's you never taxidermy, know. You know, you it's the know. same thing with that 18 year old, I think, wanted to see a ghost and didn't. So he's like, oh, I just got pushed down by a ghost. And they're like, OK, like that's the thing of there's Queen Mary I don't even know if they still have tours there, but yeah, Queen do. Mary, they say, is always has a bunch of ghosts. Right. And it's like, does it, or is that just you trying to sell tickets? Like, it's it's always Never that. Never know. But, yeah, it's, it's weird, all the paranormal stuff, and it's a podcast called Lore. I love they Lore. They talk about where all the stuff comes from, and it's a quick listen, because it's like 20 or 30 minutes, but they'll talk about you know like it's like the history of it like, right it's interesting where you it's like the one that they had about i don't know if you did one on it but it was um it's like the winged creature like a mothman but mothman. it was like attacking this girl's car uh-huh and she kept driving and it was behind her and it was scratching the trunk of her car and when she got home she looked and there were scratches on her trunk really from it trying to it get wasn't her. the mothman no, it was something. I, else? It was something. It might have been something like that, but it was. It's these creatures that there was also one that was like on a house, and so yeah, it was. Uh, it's just really good, like all that folklore, like it comes from somewhere, right? But also the ghosts, like people see stuff, and is was your mom on medication, or was there exactly some three-eyed monster in her bed? Right. Yeah. So that was my story. Good one. That's why uh, now maybe I'll do next time I'm on, I'll look up paranormal stuff. I keep looking up killers, but that's because, like we said, that's the way of the world now. So me and the wife are watching 2020 or Dateline or ID channel. Like, that's all. I go, honey, we should watch something happy. And she goes, okay, we'll go to bed to King of, King of the Hill. <laughs> I go, okay. So. Interestingly enough, uh, Albert downloaded because I had told him a while back, like before the kids were born, we used to like play video games and stuff. So I was like, you know, having kids like me personally, like, of course, his video game life went on. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't lose, lose hours of my life playing a video game. Yeah. 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 So exactly. I just stopped. I you know yeah. what I mean? Like every once in a while, I'd sit there and watch him or watch the kids play. But I never really could. Because I knew, like, once I get into it... Yeah, yeah. That's like me. Yeah, I'll... My cousin goes, but you bought a PlayStation 4? Like, you should be playing this game and that game. And I go, for one, I get frustrated when I can't beat a certain boss. Right. Then I keep going back to it a couple weeks, and then I get frustrated, and I go, forget it. Plus, 
I love movies more than games, so I'd rather watch a movie I haven't seen than play a video game, even though it's like you're an interactive movie, but it's like, yeah, I couldn't, you end up losing, oh, it's been eight hours I've been playing this game. Right. Oh, I could have been doing something else. Yeah, so um, one of my favorite games back then was Tomb Raider. So when I guess just came out the end of last year, so Albert downloaded it oh, onto yeah. the PlayStation. Yeah. And so I've been playing that this week. I'm totally immersed. I heard that's the Shadow of the Tomb Raider or the yeah. Legend something. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I used to play that when the first PlayStation came out. I was like, this is cool, my... My friend Sean would read, we'd get the, the strategy guide, and then he'd read, okay, turn here and turn there, and then he wouldn't tell me, like, three bad guys are around the corner, so I'd right. turn the corner, there's three ah! guys, I'm like, ah, I'm jumping back. The, ta- the tigers. Yeah. Of course, my I have terrible hand-eye coordination as it is, Yeah. so, yeah, like, when... One of the um, things in this game is like there's a tiger that comes out of nowhere and I'm like trying to get all I have is an arrow (laughs) and I'm like trying to get this bow and arrow to like face this tiger and I'm like, oh, and do you have do you have the move? Is that what you're trying to the, you know, the 3D thing where you hold a thing? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. I wish. Yeah, that would be No, that would probably be too freaky (laughs) for me because I'd be flying around the room. I'd be like, ah. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, thank you, Philip. You're welcome. So much for helping me tonight. I always enjoy helping out, and uh, my dogs are losing their minds out there. I know. Somebody it's crazy. just came home. It's part of your life. That's what yeah. uh, you deal with. That's why a friend of mine who's like, I can go to your house and do the podcast where, because I hate tearing down everything, taking it to his house. Said I'd like you to come over, and I go, but I have a bunch of dogs, and he has migraines. Like he's on disability because of his brain stuff. And so I'm like, but I'm worried that my dogs aren't as loud as yours, but they're little, you know, chihuahuas and they don't, they don't bark as high chihuahuas as Glendale. When I had a bunch of chihuahuas all around that you would hear like, but it's still like, I go, I don't, I don't know. I think after a while you'd be like, okay, I got to go. This is driving me nuts. Right. And so he's like, okay. All right. But yes, well, you're welcome. Uh, thank you, everybody. Check out my podcast, too, My Cellular at Heart. Yes, and, check uh, them out. And uh, write some emails to us and let us know uh, yeah. to her and let her know what you think of. Yep. Mine's uh, tipsy underscore tales at yahoo.com. So if yeah. you guys have any scary stories or anything that in particular you want me to research and share with you guys on the podcast, um, just email me and let me know. Or you can hit me up on Instagram or on Facebook. We're there, too. Or if you work for the Vatican, let us uh, get tickets to the backstage passes. Of yeah, the exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's our, sh- that's our show for tonight, folks. Thank right. you. Yes. Thank, Thank you. Phil. You're right. welcome. Good night. Good night. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tipsy Tales. Music by Jesse Biscata. Artwork by Sergio Hernandez. And if you're listening on iTunes, please don't forget to rate and review. Thanks.